0: Welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for the show. We're speaking in the afternoon of Wednesday, June fourteenth, twenty twenty-three. We are continuing to look at both housing, uh, perhaps the most important issue in uh, in New York uh, right now, as we've discussed many times here on the show with a variety of, of insightful guests. Uh, This episode of the show actually is a companion one. We wound up with two great guests on housing this week. So as I bring on here on this episode in just a moment, New York State Senator Julia Salazar, who is a Brooklyn Democrat and lead sponsor of the good cause eviction legislation that has been at the center of so much discussion and debate and one very key piece of the larger housing policy negotiations that have in many ways, dominated the conversation over the last six months in Albany through the budget season and into the short legislative session that followed, in part because the budget was a month after the start of the fiscal year uh, delayed this year, again, in part because of contentious and challenging negotiations over housing policy. As listeners to this show and followers of New York Politics and Government know Very little was accomplished in Albany on housing this year, at least so far. It's only June, but the legislative session is more or less over. The New York State Senate has wrapped up its business. The New York State Assembly is heading back to Albany on June 20th, 21st to finish up some business but that mostly means taking up bills that the senate passed and the assembly didn't have time for as it is a bit of a larger house and sometimes needs a little more time than the senate with its 150 seats versus the senate 63 uh there are questions around whether there could be other action there have been uh, special sessions of the legislature in recent years to tackle emergencies including things like housing so uh could be in the offing we'll ask state senator Salazar about that when we discuss uh, the housing policy landscape here. In companion with this discussion, I really want to point people to the other new episode of the show this week, and that's with fellow state Senator Brian Kavanaugh, a Manhattan Democrat who chairs the Senate's housing committee. Check out that discussion as well. I spoke with Senator Kavanaugh about a wide range of the policy proposals, negotiations around housing. We'll focus much more with Senator Salazar on good cause eviction because that's her main focus as the sponsor of that bill, but we'll get into the larger housing policy context with her as well. But these two conversations really go uh, together as part of the sort of deconstruction of what happened around housing policy in Albany in the earlier part of this year when the governor put forward her New York housing compact plan to try to really focus on the supply side of housing with a plan for what they estimated would be 800,000 new housing units across the state over the next 10 years with a wide variety of, of planks to that plan. Legislators focusing a bit more on tenant protections, housing vouchers, and some of those other pieces of the larger housing puzzle and the sides not able to come to a grand bargain and a and a, and a big uh, deal on housing policy. There were some pieces passed, uh, some rent relief to continue to uh, make payments for rent arrears for tenants who need it, especially now in public housing and a few other pieces. But a lot of the bigger uh, aspects that were being negotiated, whether they were coming from the governor's plan or things that the legislature was more focused on, did not come to agreement. And so we're deconstructing some of that. Here this week, here as the state legislative session is more or less over with State Senator Kavanaugh, a separate discussion, check that out, but not until you've listened to this one with State Senator Salazar. Just as a quick way of background, I won't go through all the details, but as the legislative session was ending, as we neared June 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, on June 8th, the legislative leaders. In a pretty rare joint statement, State Senate Majority Leader Andre Stewart-Cousins, State Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty put out a statement that said that the two houses, the two Democratic majorities, had come, what they said, toward an agreement on historic rent protections and a massive and transformational housing program with about a dozen planks to it, including some version of good cause eviction, an extension of the 421A tax break for development, and a variety of others. I got into a lot of those planks in the conversation with Senator Kavanaugh. We'll get into some of them with Senator Salazar here as well. What we didn't see, though, was any specific language on any of those planks. We didn't see a bill, and the state legislative leader said they were not going to pass one because, in their words in the statement, quote, unfortunately, it was clear that we could not come to an agreement with the governor on this plan it takes all three parties, the Senate, the Assembly, and the governor, in order to enact legislation into law, end quote. There was more to the statement. Folks can read it online, certainly, or in news coverage. But the governor's office pushed back, saying the legislature passes lots of bills that we review. They are not passing this. Don't point the finger at the governor. The Assembly and Senate are, quote, blaming the governor for their own failure to act. So little bit of a contentious back and forth to cap off what's been an intense and at times contentious set of housing policy negotiations over the last six months. So joining me now to talk about some of that, especially the role of good cause eviction legislation in these discussions and where things head next is State Senator Julia Salazar, a Brooklyn Democrat, and the lead sponsor in the Senate of this bill senator salazar thank you for joining me how are you
1: thank you so much for having me ben i'm doing all right all things considered
0: (laughs) so speaking of all things considered obviously um as i also discussed with senator kavanaugh who's been so involved in these negotiations and working very hard on these issues for uh, this year and beyond um you must be very frustrated right now uh say a little bit about just sort of where you're at with your perspective on why no bigger grand bargain was able to be reached. Um, How are you thinking about sort of the lack of progress for New Yorkers on housing, tenant protections, housing supply, all of these big pieces where there's a whole lot of agreement that a lot of action needs to be taken and very little is being done by the government, what's your perspective on where we stand right now here as we speak on June 14th, 2023?
1: I am deeply frustrated and and disappointed in this outcome. We really went into this legislative session with the task of um, taking action on housing, which means a lot of things, um, tenant protections among them and protecting people from uh, increasing evictions uh, and, and rising rents, but also addressing the need to create more housing, especially more affordable housing, um, and and uh also try to um address other issues related to that, not just um the state directly acting to to build more housing, but making it easier um, by addressing zoning um, in, in New York City even, but also in other parts of, especially in other parts of the state, um, we had the opportunity to do this and really the responsibility to do it. Uh, and ultimately, it, it wasn't done by the time session ended. And my perspective is that we still have that responsibility. It hasn't gone away. And uh, the, the housing crisis in our state will uh, only continue to grow. The longer that we take to act, I think we have a responsibility to return for a special session this year, uh, and I'm going to continue to fight to make sure that happens. Uh, we, we put tremendous work into this housing deal, um, and it would really be a shame uh, at this point, um, not only because of the work that went into it, the consensus that was built, but uh, also because of um, the material impact on New Yorkers across the state, if we fail to act and and to act soon.
0: Where are you in this discussion of, um, Hey, if the legislature has an agreement on this housing package with these, you know, dozen planks pass the, you know, put it, put it into bill language, pass the bill and sort of really see if the governor will follow through on a threat to veto it. You know, the, The New York Times reported the governor threatened to to veto the package, largely because of the inclusion of a version of good cause eviction, and we'll get to the specifics on that in a moment. But where were you and are you on that question of what, you know, the governor's uh, communications director, Julie Wood, whose statement I read a tiny portion of just now, uh, you know, was right that the legislature passes lots of bills without, you know, making sure that the governor's on board. She vetoes lots of bills each year. where are you at in, in that discussion? This is obviously a bigger package and, and you know, high stakes and all of that. But did you have a different perspective than other legislators or the legislative leaders who decided not to push it forward without the governor's pre-approval?
1: Definitely. And I, I think there is truth in the statement from the executive on this. And also it omits, um, I think, the, the governor's um, internal uh, opposition to expanding tenant protections. Uh, however, um, this is not the decision that I would have made. I recognize that uh, legislative leadership had to, felt felt that they needed to make this decision. And um, because of the way in which this came together um, at the very end of the session, um, would have needed a message of necessity that I think we can expect we we wouldn't we would not have gotten um, if if we had waited any longer to print and pass the bill. Um, I think that that uh, the leader and speaker needed to make a a decision on on short notice um, and and do it quickly um, after realizing that the governor was you know, really still not supportive of the two-way agreement that had been reached on um, a housing omnibus bill. Um, If, you know, what I was encouraging us to do and continue to encourage us to do is to print and pass the bill. Um, We really worked hard. You know, I I did not personally like everything in this omnibus deal, even though I was and still still am ready for us to vote for it and pass it, um, because that's as you know how it works in Albany. We we have to make concessions and be flexible and compromise on certain elements. Um, and in in this case, you know, for me, good cause eviction, of course, I, I'm the sponsor of the bill. It was my top priority. Um, even as I certainly you know uh, agree that we need to address other housing policy issues, um, but good cause eviction being my top priority. Um, I had to make concessions and be flexible and um, on, on elements of the bill, such as uh, exemptions for um, certain property owners from good uh, providing good cause protections for their tenants um, and also um, uh, a, a version that would allow municipalities to opt in, um, but it would really only be required in New York City um, something that I was reluctant to agree to, but ultimately it was necessary in order for us to um, make progress and, and get these tenant protections into a bill um, that, ever, that we would have the votes to pass. Um, and we, we had to do that in order to achieve an agreement that it's not everything I wanted, but uh, it was what we had the votes to pass and, and um, what legislators with very different interests and districts across the state were ready to vote for. And as of last Wednesday night, um, on the seventh, uh, even very late in the evening, um, I fully expected, um, as well as my colleagues, we fully expected the bill to be printed that evening, um, and, and to be passed before we went home. And so it was, um, deeply disappointing and, and shocking, uh, to learn that, um, it just, it wasn't going to happen. Um and it it does not have to be this way. We even though the legislative session has ended, uh we can and should return to Albany this year uh to to um actually pass a, a housing omnibus bill.
0: Is it your um understanding that Governor Hokel a, let me just say it's very clear at this point, Governor Hokel. Is not supportive of what's known as good cause eviction. She's repeatedly declined to say that, but she said it in other words. It's not part of my agenda. Um, uh, other other things along those lines that she said many times. She's been asked about it. She doesn't clearly doesn't want to take a you know very firm stand against. Maybe that means because she's open to negotiating a version of it. Uh, but she has not come out in support of it. Is it your understanding though that? Even the version of it that was included in this package that the legislature seems to have had some broad agreement on, again, without bill language, you know, that statement to me read as a little shaky. But um, is it it your understanding that even with a compromised version of good cause included, that the governor's opposition was firmly against any substantive version of good cause or – was it because there was a version of good cause, but not really the central pieces of her housing compact plan to mandate housing growth across the state? Do you have a sense? Do you have a sense of that difference? Because, you know, I hear lots of different perspectives, and there's lots of people who are guessing about different things, but from my understanding, is because there's been so little clear support in the legislature for the pieces of the governor's housing compact plan to require all this growth and and incentivize this growth and and so forth, that it it never really got to a place of of sort of her support for good cause, you know, really being put on the table or not.
1: Yeah, um, you know, in the budget, when we were actively discussing the governor's housing compact, along with um, these these other items that uh, essentially ended up in um, an omnibus deal that we that we didn't pass. I um, supported and, and continue to support um, the the idea of requiring um, municipalities to uh, to uh, comply with with housing growth, um, to ensure, um, the development of new housing, um, also transit oriented development, um, changes to exclusionary zoning laws in, in parts of the state. Um, I, that was not a problem for, for me, but it was, um, very challenging, um, for many legislators and, Um, We didn't have this. We wouldn't have been able to arrive at at the agreement that the two way agreement that we did at the end of this session. um, If if um, the mandates from the governor's housing compact, basically any version of them um, had been in this bill. Um, And I don't think the I well, I can't, of course, speak for the executive. I think the governor knows that. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's no doubt that the governor, uh, in my, in my mind doesn't support good cause eviction. Um, but we, you know, we're co-equal branches of government. We were able to get the support for this bill, including good cause, um, a negotiated version that, um, we, we had consensus on, um, and it's our responsibility to pass this, um, and to encourage the governor to sign it, but it, you know, none, nonetheless, whether the governor would ultimately um, decide to veto it or try to negotiate chapter amendments um, or sign the bill, uh, we we still have a responsibility as a legislature to act. Um, and I I feel confident that the governor would look at this deal, um, which I'm you know ha- happy to talk more about the details of, um, but look at this and see um, many items that are important to her and that are important to her, I would say her allies in the, in the real estate industry, um, such as the, ex, uh, construction deadline extension for, four hundred and twenty one a projects. Um, and, and I think that it's, it's really a shame that, uh, ultimately collectively we, we didn't act. Um, and I, I think that, um, I I hope that the governor can can also recognize um, that that's a shame and that this is really urgent, Um, not only for the things that uh, districts like mine and and the people who I represent. I represent a district that's 83 percent renters, um, and that's not even the highest renter density of any Senate district or any assembly district uh, in New York. Um, But but it's a lot of people who um, voted for Governor Hochul. Um, who generally are ideologically aligned um, and, and progressive um, and who really are counting on us to act for them so that they can stay in their homes, that they can continue to live in their communities, um, that they don't have to leave the state uh, because of how unaffordable it's becoming for for working people. Um, so I, I think that... Um, the right thing to do was and still is to pass this. Um, and I, I think that uh, because the governor recognizes the urgency and um, because ultimately we came to this very reasonable compromise um, of a bill that I, I believe that she would sign it um, if if we take action and send it to her desk.
0: Interesting um that is that is a big you know that is a that is a big uh remaining question here and uh one that perhaps will be wrestled with you know the likely scenario here is that the assembly wraps up their business the beginning of next week around June 21st and then there's not really much you know momentum or talk around doing anything until um the budget season and session starts again next year unless there is some new emergency that erupts um you know, di- different reasons to call the legislature back. This this ongoing crisis, if these six months uh, of significant focus on the issue have not yielded anything, I'm not sure. Um, you know, just as a as a sort of fairly long time Albany uh, watcher, um, you know, I'm not sure that that uh, is going to be provoking uh, a special session. But but we shall see. And that question around whether the governor would actually veto this package. Um, you know, will remain outstanding at least at least for a while. Um, I was going to do it in the introduction. I skipped over it because I wanted to let you do it. But now we've gone off and running. Remind people of the main planks of your bill. Um, before we discuss the compromise version further, remind people the major planks of good cause eviction legislation, please.
1: Sure. Um. So basically, there's there's broadly two things that good cause eviction. Would do would would provide for tenants um, in unregulated housing, um, and this is again. So this is this is my bill is written rather than yes. the the compromise that we reached. But um, and when and- you
0: say unregulated housing, that means the the housing in the broader private market that is not subject to uh, that is not public housing, and it's not subject to the state's rent regulation law
1: that's right yes so not rent stabilized or rent controlled um, not governed by some other regulatory agreement um such as uh you know co-ops that are cooperatively owned um it, it is just rental units rental housing um that is is not regulated um uh, by by the state um, or or by localities um, either so, um, that's a big housing stock is the majority of the total rental housing stock in the state. Um, and, uh, what good cause eviction would do is say, okay, for, for these tenants who otherwise have right now, um, virtually no, no protections at all from, um, being no, no fault evicted as we say. So like if their, um, lease expires or they don't have a lease, even if uh, right now, even if a tenant is doing everything right, they are not um, creating a nuisance for the landlord or for their neighbors. They're not doing anything illegal. They're, they've um, kept the, the terms of their lease. Uh, they pay their rent on time. Um, all, of, all of these things, um, there still aren't protections for those tenants if they're an unregulated housing um, from being denied a new lease or or their landlord saying I'm I'm going to evict you um you have to go um it, there also aren't protections right now for those unregulated tenants from any size rent increases it is completely legal uh even though I would say unethical it is completely legal for a landlord to raise a tenant's rent by 500% um i spoke to someone just this week who lives in Brooklyn who was uh, recently sent a, a 600% rent increase by their landlord. It sounds unbelievable but it actually is happening all the time. Um and those are just the most outrageous cases um or the ones that sound the most outrageous to us, but a lot of tenants are dealing with rent increases of say 25% um which maybe by comparison doesn't sound outrageous but it is absolutely unaffordable um to the vast majority of, of New Yorkers for their expenses, um, to suddenly increase like that, but it's, it's happening right now. And so what the good cause eviction bill would do is it would create a rebuttable presumption against eviction. If a landlord, um, was evicting a tenant, uh, after seeking to increase the rent by either 3% of the previous rental amount or, um, one and a half, or sorry, 150% of the consumer price index, whichever is higher. Um, and the consumer price index is just our, our metric of inflation. Um, and uh, alternatively, um, if, a, if a tenant is not facing a rent increase, but a landlord um, is seeking to um, evict them, in, in a holdover eviction simply because their their lease is expired or they don't even have a lease, um, then the landlord would be required to demonstrate good cause to evict them. And the bill enumerates what constitutes good cause, which includes even um, non-payment of rent, uh, rent that they agreed to pay, right? Uh, violating their lease, creating a nuisance, engaging in illegal activity um, in uh in, in the building or, or where they live. Um, and and also if the landlord wanted to retake the unit for their own use um, or for the use of a family member, that would constitute good cause to evict. Um, and it also would only apply to rental housing, um, of course, that's unregulated, but additionally that um is four units or 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 larger. Um, buildings that are four four units or larger, um, that are not owner-occupied. So for owner-occupied housing that is fewer than four units, they would be exempt completely from the good cause protections.
0: And the compromise version of the bill that was in um, at least this broad understanding of a, of an agreement that the legislature was coming to here at the end of the legislative session with hopes to get the governor's buy-in say uh, how the, your, you know, your version of the bill was then um, tweaked to, uh, to get to a version that, that people were, were living with.
1: Yeah. So, um, the bill as written would apply to the entire state, and in fact, the assembly sponsor of the bill, Pamela Hunter, um, is an assembly member representing Syracuse, right outside of outside of New York City, obviously. Um, but the compromise proposal uh, would have created an opt-in for outside of New York City, so it would not automatically apply anywhere outside of New York City. Localities would need to opt in. Um, and actually if, if localities opted in they'd be able to adjust the formula um, for the the threshold for what is considered an unreasonably high rent increase um to chance so that it, it wouldn't they wouldn't need to conform necessarily to the um rent increases um the limits that would, would have been imposed on New York City um but In As it would have applied in New York City, um, a rent increase would have been presumed unreasonable if it were greater than 5% plus the rate of inflation, so 5% plus CPI, um, or 10%, whichever is lower, which essentially amounts to a, it's not a 10% cap because it's a rebuttable presumption, meaning that um, a landlord could, if they sought to evict a tenant after increasing the rent like this. They could say, I had to raise the rent by 12%, whatever whatever it might be, um, and this is why. It's because my property taxes increased by this much or um, whatever, whatever the reason may be that they can um, give in court when they seek to um, evict a tenant or justify a rent increase. Um, so 5% plus inflation or 10%, whichever is lower, this is the California model. So um, a few years ago, California passed um, their version of of good cause eviction. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, you know, what their metric is for what, what is, and is not a, a reasonable rent increase. Um, it also, the compromise version, um, would change the exemption for quote unquote small landlords, uh, to instead, instead of defining it as owner occupied buildings with fewer than four units, it would define that as, um, owning, um, fewer than 10 units. So instead of fewer than four, fewer than 10. And um, it's the number of units across all of their portfolio. So for example, a landlord who owns um, two buildings that each have five units would not be, uh, assuming they don't meet any of the other criteria, um, they would not be exempt from, um, their tenants would not be exempt from, from good cause eviction protections. But if they owned let's say three buildings that each have two or three units, they would be exempt because it's really about their total um rental mm-hmm. portfolio size, right? Um, so yeah, 10 that's a
0: pretty that's a pretty significant um, magic number.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and <laughs> I think it's I mean, it's really generous. Mo- you know,
0: I'm most interested yeah. in this conversation and in sort of getting people more clarity on why. Uh, a grand bargain and a negotiation couldn't be reached and and whether, you know, uh, the insistence even upon uh, any version of good cause is is worth, you know, dooming other pieces that may have gubernatorial buy-in. And I want to get to that in a second. But it does need to be said that from your point of view and supporters of good cause, th- that, that's a fairly significant compromise that you're ready to make
1: it's a, I, I would say it's a really significant compromise, not one that I wanted to make, but that I knew was necessary in order for us to, um, to not walk away with nothing. Although, you know, here we are, but, but not, uh, you know, not for lack of trying and not for lack of reaching a two-way agreement. The only other exemption that I didn't mention that would be mm-hmm. in the, the, um, that was in the compromise bill is an exemption for new construction as well, which is consistent with, the, the California model. So housing that is within the first 15 years of the, uh, life, I guess, of a rental property. So like the first 15 years after the, um, first tenants move in, um, they would, they would be exempt. And, and the, the idea behind that, um, from the opposition is we need to, um, incentivize new construction and we want to make sure that, um, that you know these protections wouldn't somehow mm-hmm. disincentivize new construction. So it's really like a a um, a fifteen year exemption for new construction. So yeah, I think it's really I think it's really generous. I uh, honestly, um, you know, if I thought that that this was the best the best version of good cause, then I would have made that the bill um, sure. in, in the first place, right? So um, I won't pretend that I like it. But it was something that I and and um, you know everyone I'm accountable to, who have been fighting for this for years now, um, were ready to accept and, and live with, um, in order for us to to get this done. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, it seems from the other side of the perspective, real estate industry, seemingly Governor Hochul aligned there, and and a number of legislators, including some Democrats. Um, that the idea is that even that version of the bill would potentially undermine the other parts of this bargain around um housing development increasing supply the sort of supply side of the of the equation here um and that they might not even be on board if the details of the sort of mandatory growth policies of the governor's housing compact, even if those were in there, but they weren't in there, right? There were other pieces of supply side in the in this um, legislative package, but not the pieces. And again, th- this is something I, I heard you say you're you're supportive of. So this is not particularly you, but the question is to even have a chance at some grand bargain that include these pieces needing to get the legislature on board with the growth program that the real estate side is saying, if it's not sort of really incentivized and required, and there's mechanisms for overcoming local opposition, then not only is it not going to work even just on its face, but once especially you, you toss a version of good cause in it's just not happening the the supply side just won't grow at the necessary rates so do you, do you agree with any of that and and where were the pitfalls in terms of getting legislative buy-in for the whole program because it seems like people want to point a lot of fingers at suburban democrats as far as I can tell, there were plenty of urban Democrats, as in New York City Democrats, who were not on board with most of the governor's housing proposals. Um, so say a little bit about sort of if you give any credence to that sort of, um, you know, real estate perspective that I mentioned and where things from your perspective and your your experience um, fell short in terms of more legislative buy in for. A bigger housing plan and the mandatory growth.
1: I think that that opposition is it's it's wrong um, both in its assumption that um, the support wouldn't be there to do this because of essentially Nibbyism, um from certain parts of the state or certain representatives, um, and also it's it's false. It's wrong. Um, In the assumption that um, any, you know, any expansion of tenant protections to unregulated renters would deter uh, development, um, we, it's, I think it's demonstrably false. There are now multiple states, um, including New Jersey has had um, their version of good cause eviction, um, which actually applies to, it has, it has, um, exemptions that are less generous than what we arrived at. Um more more comparable to um the you know the bill that we have. Um so it, it really applies to even more rental housing in, in New Jersey um than what we proposed. Um they have not seen any any evidence at all of a decline in construction of new housing as a result of um, having good eviction protection. They've had them for decades. So they they really are, I, I think it's fair to say they've been tested. Um, and California, obviously it's it's newer there. Um, but there's no reason to, to think that um housing development is is slowing in California as a result. Um, but I think what we actually demonstrated through this two-way agreement, and it, it's a shame that you know, we haven't. Just acted to pass it is when you um, add things that are important to many of the folks who would otherwise be opposed to um, good cause or the governor's housing compact or both. When you make these um, these changes to the legislation, then when when you also when you add things like the four twenty one a construction timeline extension. there also was a proposal related to um, individual apartment improvements to try to um, address concerns of um, some rent-stabilized owners. Um, a, a a program to repair and rehabilitate vacant apartments to bring more um, currently vacant apartments on back on online, um, requiring local governments to prepare housing plans. Um, that it wouldn't be binding um but i still think it that you know having that in this proposal was important um so that localities can actually plan um for for ho- necessary housing growth um potentially an ex- an expansion of right to council um and all of these were priorities for um you know for for a wide range of of members who um, otherwise maybe they they weren't that interested in expanding tenant protections but these things were really important to them um and so we were we were able to do that and that was work that i i think was not done in the budget process um there's no no doubt that it wasn't um i wish that it had been but um it it didn't happen um and i think that that's how we we get to a place where we have well-rounded, even, even if I don't like parts of it, right. I'll say in in my own district, the 421A program is deeply unpopular. uh, and, and that's for ideological reasons. And then also for reasons that, um, are really like the lived experiences of, of people here, um, renters who, um, have basically been defrauded of affordable housing by, uh, property owners who benefited from this long, um, period of not, Having to pay property taxes uh, and then didn't keep up their, their end of the bargain by keeping um units affordable. Mm-hmm. Um so there's there's really strong opposition to some of these things in, in my district. Um but I you know, so it, it's not as though everything was was great for members like me. Um, but you know, this is this is what we could get to. And and um I think it's a shame that that after all of that, you know, we we there also were elements of it that would greatly, um, help struggling homeowners, uh, codifying the HOP program. Um, also formerly homeless New Yorkers who, who aren't even renters or rather currently, um, experiencing homelessness who aren't even renting right now through the housing access voucher program. Um, the other, the other challenge here is that some of these things are subject to appropriation. You know, you can't, you can't do a voucher program without spending some money, even a you know a reasonable amount um and that was why it was it was really important for us to do this in in the budget and it's a shame that that we didn't um so on, you know, on a few of those familiar. things i
0: think i think there's been a lot of uh, demonstration as you get at related to issues with enforcement of the 421a program there's questions around whether the uh there was really the bang for the buck in terms of affordable housing at the same time uh, people raising those questions like for example new york city controller brad lander were saying and I believe you were supportive of of his uh, of this, and and maybe we're, we're there with him. I don't recall at this moment. But you know, saying going into this year in Albany, 2023, you know, there, there's got to be a whole sort of rewrite of of property taxes, and all you know, sort of take the whole system apart and rebuild it. And that's part of what you know people get at when they say uh, when when I brought up. Uh, good um, good cause and, and New Jersey, for example, uh, again, you know, from the perspective of folks in the real estate industry, but they say, well, there's a very different tax and regulatory climate there. So that's, you know, that's a big difference. And the taxes on rental properties are much lower there. So you get into some of these, you know, these other details that don't always make the discussions um, and, and, you know, and, and you get into a, a lot of nuances of this stuff. But on 421A, this sort of uh, developer tax break to create some affordable housing, again, under metrics that a lot of people, uh, especially on the left, have been unhappy with uh, is not affordable enough. And the governor proposed a a change to that to require more affordability um, that was still, still not taken up by the legislature. But the question of are we seeing enough of an even further slowdown in the development of rental housing in New York City, that something just needs to be done, even in a relatively short term while you consider negotiating on bigger things. uh, On that, for example. Then on other things, question of, well, why not do something on accessory dwelling units? Why not do something on, um, you know, legalizing basement apartments so they can be brought up to code a lot of these other pieces, did there have to be a grand bargain or why not be able to get some of these things done to at least move the ball down the field a little bit?
1: I think that I said a lot there. Sorry, but no, no. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, I agree. I I agree with um, the state controller um, that we we have a, a very inequitable property tax system, Um, and that's certainly the experience of um, homeowners in my district, especially in in Cypress Hills, East New York, um, mostly black and brown homeowners, um, some of whom are are cash poor, um, even even though they own property. And so uh, it's it's really difficult for them to um, keep up with rising property taxes. Um, We need to provide relief for them um, and I, I don't think that, you know, and, and for what it's worth this, this legislation, um, it, it would have helped homeowners through the codific- codification, codification pop, right. Um, it would have, um, addressed the concerns of the industry, r- at least in, a, in, in some way, um, regarding, um, property taxes through, right. 421 a, um, also, also J51, um, which we, we ended up passing, um, a bill to, uh, replace the J51 program anyway, um, beyond, beyond this, uh, at the very end of session. But uh, all of this is to say y- yes. And right. Like, I think that, um, the point of a grand bargain was to, and is to try to address all of these things, um, at once because they, they affect each other, um, creating more housing. One, it, it will, no matter how ambitious we are and how aggressive we are in, in doing it, um, it takes time, uh, as you know. And um, we're in a housing crisis now, and people are losing their, their homes right now. Um, and so that's the urgency of, of passing tenant protections. Um, so I, I think that all of these different facets of the housing crisis are um, essential, and we, we have to do the very best that we can. Um, I don't think it should be even a one-shot deal. Um, often that, as you know, we we do that in Albany. Um, we'll say, okay, we're going to do housing every four years, right? And actually, it's been that way since since before at least 1997. <laughs> every four years, there's been and that had to do, you know, with um, the timeline, like a sunset date on rent stabilization um, and some other, you know, political stuff. But, but this is to say that, um, I don't think that is a great way of, of legislating. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense to New Yorkers, um, for us to say, well, we'll, we'll do it next year or we'll do it in a few years or, oh, we did, we took some action on housing. Um, and, and now we, you know, we can't do it for a while. Like that was, that was our shot. Um, it's, it's silly to be honest. Um, but that is sort of the way of doing things in Albany right now. Um, and it needs to change. So, yeah, I, I mean, right. that's a, yeah, not, that's the yeah. essence of
0: my, right. Of my question exactly. of saying get, gets get some pieces of, of something done, uh, even if it's, you know, conversion of commercial buildings, you know, some of these planks that are in this bigger package that the legislature says, you know, there was at least legislative agreement on, um, let, let me, let me ask you this. The, the, I think a lot of people can get, you know, a lot of people clearly are behind good cause eviction and a lot of people can get behind the idea of, um, you know, trying to limit uh, exorbitant rent increases of lease renewal uh, requirements of limits on when evictions are okay, you know, various things uh, and support that. At the same time, there's becoming much more consensus and become much more consensus that New York state especially New York City and the suburbs have a real housing development and supply problem and virtually every study shows just by you know increasing more supply you at least have a chance to put a little bit more of a dent not necessarily reduce rents but put more of a dent in the growth curve of rents which are skyrocketing obviously in New York City and and the suburbs um is it is it okay to hold up efforts at increasing supply for good cause, even if you clearly believe in good cause and think it's essential? Is it is that really okay to say to, to, to New Yorkers and people that wanna to move to New York but can't find a place to live, we're not gonna do anything about increasing the, the supply issue because we're holding out for this piece of of legislation as part of the deal. Is, is that an okay perspective? I mean, that's, that's clear your perspective, but why is that? Why is that an okay perspective?
1: I'd say um, sort of ironically, that's actually the perspective of the opposition because we can we being people who um, support a version of good cause eviction protections, right? We came to the table, both in the budget process and, um, through this bargain and said, okay, there are things that, um, in, in that, that the industry wants that our districts don't like, right. Um, that would change the housing stock in in our districts. Um, and of course I'm, I'm speaking for some of my colleagues, not completely for myself here, but, right. Cause you know how I, I feel about building, um, more housing and housing growth and know that, that it's absolutely essential, but, um, you know, we recognize that these, these things are necessary and that, Um, If we build more housing without protecting the tenants who would presumably live in that housing, or we build more housing without ensuring that it it truly is affordable um, to people who live here now, then we're we're just not going to um, resolve the housing crisis. Um, And of course, you know, building housing takes time. um, And so we we need measures such as good cause eviction that would protect people right now. Um, And we should be doing both. But um, what the opposition has essentially said what their position was in the budget um, and what it seems to be now is um, we really loathe tenant protections so much that we and we loathe good cause so much that we are willing to walk away when you include tenant protections with these other proposals um to to build more housing essentially and incentivize the development of more housing so you know i'm ready to do it but um it it needs to be done right um and you know you won't see me holding up the um construction of more housing in my district um in order to you know it it, because we haven't passed tenant protections um but i i do think that What will help people the most immediately is providing uh, protections from unjust evictions and unreasonable rent increases through good cause.
0: We are in our last few minutes here with State Senator Julia Salazar, Brooklyn Democrat and lead sponsor of good cause eviction legislation in the state legislature, talking about uh, what's happened in Albany this year around uh, the housing crisis and uh, an issue that. The governor and legislators, and many many others, point to as perhaps the biggest uh, crisis and challenge facing New York, and the challenges of getting uh, a, a robust response through um, the legislature and and the governor. Um, say a little bit about the atmosphere among your colleagues. From what I can tell, um, not everybody who supports good cause has really been vocal. Even to the extent you've been vocal, and I would say you haven't been that vocal. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but people haven't even been as vocal as you saying I support efforts, you know, significant efforts to increase housing supply. I can live with X, Y, and Z, um, uh, even though those aren't my favorite policies, you know, an extension of 421A, et cetera. Um, that seems to be at the root of some of this too, right? Is that the the folks Supporting good cause, the folks who are more focused on tenant protections weren't joining up and and more vocal about saying yes, we need more housing supply too. Yes, let's get to a grand bargain on this. Yes, let's you know put more pressure on the suburbs to add housing. Um, that that's at the root of of some of this too. Do you think there was a strategy misstep for folks? You know, sort of on uh, on your side of the the camp here. I think there's
1: I think it's something that we can take away and learn from from the budget process um less so this end of session bargain right because because um the housing compact just kind of from from jump wasn't really on the table the the governor was not um didn't seem uh, you know, from my perspective and, and leadership's perspective and others didn't seem interested in um, negotiating on housing, even even to uh, try to push the program that she had included in her executive budget. Um, but all of that said, I, I think that we we should learn from this um, and that going forward, um, we should make it clear um, we being people who care about tenant protections, that we also recognize the need to in- increase housing supply um, and to actually take action uh, legislatively to make that happen. The one challenge, w- rather one one challenge that I have here is um, it it's difficult for me to tell um, legislators who represent districts very different from my urban district. Um, that, that, um, they have to accept the housing compact. Um, I, I hope that they'll hear that from, um, their constituents, especially their constituents, um, who, and, and others like in their area who, um, have been shut out of, of housing, um, because of exclusionary zoning. Um, that they'll they'll hear from them and recognize that they're accountable to them too, um, because they're not accountable to me reasonably, right? Um, and yeah, I I think that we we just got to keep being louder in demanding this. Um, but I I hope I hope that legislators already recognize the problem um, and can act to address it, even if the governor um, might not be willing to do it on her own.
0: Uh, as we wrap up here, speaking of the governor doing it on her own, um, there's some talk uh, from the governor uh, about her taking executive action on housing. Now that there's been little done during the the formal budget season and legislative session, do you support her taking a look at that state-owned property? Uh, you know, variety of mechanisms that she may be able to use. There's lots of ideas out there. We've published some op-eds at Gotham Gazette and there's other, you know, stuff out there about what people think she could do or want her to do and examination of fair housing law violations and all all sorts of stuff potentially on the menu. Who knows how big she's going to go, but she's indicated she's, um, you know, she's going to announce some executive action on housing in the near future. Do you want her to do that? And is there anything on that menu that you're, you would be supportive, um, you know, that you've been thinking about?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not completely sure what would be on on the menu of her executive action. Um, I'm also I'm and I'm not saying, no, she can't do it. But I am a little bit skeptical um, of the constitutional ability in New York, Um, like how how much could the governor actually do through executive action? Um, to construct more housing but you know um god bless like <laughs> I, I you know give it a try i suppose um uh okay. you know i i think um it, it's it it would be surprising to me because if she wasn't really willing to when she, in her executive budget where she has outsized control um and power as opposed to the rest of the legislative session right she didn't she didn't um, fight, in my perspective, that hard um, for some of the more unpopular policy, unpopular in the suburbs, right, the mandates, um, why she would then politically take executive action to impose those things. It it, it, um, it just seems kind of inconsistent um, and, and maybe uh, a political risk that I wouldn't expect her to take. But um, I'm definitely interested to see. The governor um demonstrate that she wants to take action on creating more housing Mm
0: -hmm. well we will see what she does um i think you hit on something that i know i've said many times on this uh podcast to various guests of various stripes as we've had many housing focused conversations and many even broader conversations about what is and isn't happening in state government and and so forth um you know that is also a theme as you said um, you know, some of what uh, folks in in sort of your camp on things, you know, can be thinking about and learning from. You know, you just hit on something that uh that a lot of people think uh the governor and her team could also uh be thinking about how to approach things differently uh, in the approach they took to um to winning support for some of the pieces of of this big housing plan or not doing, uh, as the case may be. State Senator Julius Salazar, thank you very much for the time. We will, of course, check in down the road, let, uh, let us know if there's movement on a special session or anything of the sort, will you?
1: Absolutely. Thank you again, <laughs> right. ben. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for the time. Be well. <laughs>